0: Got a little soothing in my
1: tone
0: Well, it's bracket time and episode 64 of Three Point Podcast. Kind of an appropriate number with March Madness in the brackets just ahead of us. Our pod features sports and pop culture from three different generations. I'm Ted Fattel of SportsNet Michigan and Z925 Radio, representing the baby boomers of the world. Gen Xer, Matt Burns, checks in from ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina and is our social media man. Our millennial viewpoints will be coming from Jared Fattell of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. We're gonna have a great show tonight. Former Big Ten athlete and sports media guy, Reggie Walker returns to Three Point Podcast. He'll be breaking down the tournament with us. Also, we'll talk a little high school hoops with Pawama Westphalia head coach, Luke Pohl, who finished off an undefeated season and a state championship here in mid-Michigan. And we're here every week thanks to our partners, Advanced Elevator Company, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and the Corona Public Schools. We're going to get it rolling right after these messages from our three-point podcast partners. Three point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona.
2: 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and Auction your items, and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today: 989-720-Sell. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell? We'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-Sell. You'll do better with Sheridan. Okay, guys,
3: so Matt McQuaid, as we know, we just watched him put 27 points just feeding us buckets as Michigan. For some people, hell on earth is, I don't know, for Ted, it would probably be not having his HBO package, for Homer Simpson on the Simpsons, he just gets fed donuts all the time, but for me, my hell is Matt McQuaid constantly feeding buckets to my mouth. My God, you got to respect, he's got some onions, as Raptory Raptor, would say. After that Aaron's injury... Apparently he told him that he was going to come up and just light up Michigan, and that's exactly what we did. I've said it before: you have to respect the cut of Matt McQuaid's jib. The guy just has balls the size of basketballs.
0: Yeah, and you've. I'm
3: I'm numb. I'm numb to losing to Michigan State at this point. Three times in 21 days. I'm numb to it. It's expected at this point.
0: You know, and you've come full circle from early season observations of McQuaid, but uh, you're absolutely right. The kid is money, and he's really stepped up now here in his senior season and has lit a dagger in Michigan, like you said.
4: He's the perfect player for that team because you've got the Big Ten Player of the Year in Cassius Winston, and then you've got a guy like McQuaid that just kind of like, whatever, does he does more than just the dirty work. I mean, he scored 27 against Michigan the other night, so... Yeah, he's a perfect player for that team and he lit up Michigan and you know the Michigan's defense is catching a lot of flack for like leaving him open all the time and you know I I think he's just he's such a good knockdown shooter that I don't know if the if you should be just, like, sticking to him, don't help, you know, whatever it, it should be. But, you know, credit McQuaid. I mean, I, so many people are ripping Michigan's defense. Huh? I'm more like, give give McQuaid credit. He, he played a great game.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. And did you happen to notice the uh, the coaching move by Beeline? He moved over Simpson to start covering McQuaid, and then McQuaid he drilled a three-pointer just in front of him.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was a switch or, yeah, if Beeline told – Simpson to go pick up McQuaid but yeah like I I wanted to see I'd be curious to go back and look at the film and you know people are saying like why are guys helping off of McQuaid and leaving him open I don't know like basketball instincts sometimes when you see Cassius Winston driving in the lane you're going to help off and try and, and help the guy because Winston's I mean he's the big 10 player of the year you're not just going to let him go to the the hoop you know without giving a little help. So. You know, sometimes your, your instincts are to just help over when you see Winston driving, and then he's great at finding the open guy. So, yeah, even guys like <laughs> Xavier Simpson can get caught.
3: I wish I could sit here and get into the X's and O's of what Michigan needs to do to improve. But uh, have you guys, like, heard the saying that a coach would say, you know, when I'm not getting on you, and I'm not yelling at you, that's when you should be worried? Yeah. That's the point where I'm at with this Michigan team. I, I don't even care, you know. <laughs> the, the, you got Charles Matthews coming out here, doesn't even play in the second game. First game, two points, uh, zero assists, like two one, two rebounds. This game, two points, two assists. Matt McQuaid just shoving it down your throat all game. We, we saw the same exact game three times this year where we were leading by like five or I think there's a stat like every single game we're leading by six or seven points with 15 minutes left. And then Michigan State just goes out to outscore us by 13 in the second half. You got uh, Swaggy Pool staring at Michigan State pregame. That guy thinks he is so cold. You would think he's Michael Jordan with, like, how cocky he is. And he's out here shooting threes from NBA range and just clanking them. I don't know what it, – it, it comes down to the fact Iggy is the only guy, yet again, who shows. He's the only guy who shows up in the, in the biggest of stages, and that's why I'm worried in, the, in come March
0: Madness. The problem with Iggy, though, is he's doing it early on, and then when it's crunch time, did you notice a couple big misses down the stretch, and that's – we've talked about it and talked about it. Michigan State has Cassius Winston. When it's money time, he steps up. Obviously, McQuaid did this week as well. But who is Michigan's go-to guy? You just brought it up. You're going to rely on a deep tournament run with uh, with Iggy, your freshman. Yeah, he's good. But is he your, going to be your go-to guy when you need a basket late in the game? It hasn't happened.
4: Yeah, it hasn't happened. And, I mean, you know, Charles Matthews maybe coming into the season was going to be, you would, you would hope maybe he was going to be that guy. And, you know, I don't know if the injuries and whatever else kind of has messed up his season a little bit. But, yeah, Jared laid it out. He didn't have necessarily a great game against Michigan State. So he hasn't really been there. And, I mean, we talked about it on the pod before. I mean, Xavier Simpson is, I mean, he's kind of like that guy. I mean, the point guards have always been that guy for line, you know, Derek Walton, Trey Burke, and all those guys. But like we've said, Simpson isn't like that kind of scorer like Winston is so he can handle the ball i mean he gets assists his assist to turnover ratio at the top in the big 10 i mean he's a great defender he's all of that stuff but when you can't just like rely on him to go get a bucket it really makes it tough because yeah pool he's talented i mean like i people out here are like man pool sucks he's terrible and stuff like he's 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 a really good player he just gets erratic sometimes and he falls in love with that step back 3 you know so i mean that that Kind of, I don't know, come to a fault. He falls in love with that shot. So I, I don't know. It's one of those things. Like I, it, it's not a shot. I'm not trying to like take a shot at the team or whatever. I think they're they're kind of like front runners. Like when they're playing well, when they're rolling, when Iggy's knocking down some shots, if Teskey has a couple dunks, you know, when they're like playing well, I think everyone feeds off it. And Poole knocks down shots, and then maybe Simpson knocks down one of those hook shots or something. When they're when they're rolling, they're kind of front runners and playing well. But when, when, you know, their backs are up against the wall, when these three games, when Michigan State starts making a run, closing that gap, takes the lead, they don't play well. It's like they they shrivel in the moment. And it's weird to see that out of a beeline team because normally you have guys like Mo Wagner, Trey Burke, and all these other guys that would step up. And this team just doesn't seem to have that right now. So, you know, hopefully, I don't know, hopefully they (laughs) – Figure something out. I mean, in two days the
0: tournament starts or yeah. whatever. So I mean, it's, and you talk. they figure something out. You talked about as good as Simpson is, though. You know, you really got to have a three. You got to have a guard, a point guard that can hit the deep three. You know, and even late in the game, late in the shot clock, when that clanked off the rim, you know, the momentum kept going to the Spartans' way, and that was all she wrote. And frankly, we got to give Sparty again credit from the coaching standpoint, from the way the team responded and played. I mean, yeah, Michigan. Didn't play well down the down the stretch, but partly that's because of Michigan State's play.
4: In the last 15 minutes of each game, so like the cumulative last 15 minutes of all three of these games, they've outscored Michigan 105 to 58.
0: Oh my God, I didn't realize so that.
4: Basically doubled them up, 105 to 58. You know, in in crunch time. That's a hell of a and stat. I mean They they finished the game the other night on a 10-0 run. Yep. I, re- I don't know if you guys remember, Livers hit a three with about two and a half minutes left, put Michigan up five. Right. I honestly that when that happened, I thought. I think Michigan's going to be able to pull this out. They're going to do, like, just enough to pull this thing out. They went up five, two and a half minutes left, Livers hit a three, and they didn't score the rest of the game. So, like you said, you've got to give Michigan State credit.
3: And not only did they show up at the end of the game, that, but they literally watched their player, uh, like Aaron's, like his basketball career end right before their eyes. They're sitting there crying, Nick Ward's crying. At At first, I didn't realize what the whole big deal was. Because I, was, I thought he's like just like turned his ankle at first, but then like after they showed the replay, it's like yeah, his this is like Kevin Ware. But they came out from that and they just completely answer. And just from that point on, it was Michigan State. Whereas Michigan, no adversity whatsoever there, and yet you would have thought that the world had ended. I mean, Matt, you mentioned Charles Matthews didn't have the best game. Let me re- reiterate: two points, two assists. Matt McQuaid's guarding you. I mean, have yourself a goddamn day, man. <laughs> two points, two assists. Matt McQuaid's guarding you. Have yourself a goddamn day.
4: McQuaid's a great defensive player, so it's not like just because McQuaid's guarding you, you should like eat. McQuaid's a, McQuaid's a really good defender.
3: That's the politically correct answer, Matt. If McQuaid's guarding you, you should be eating. I'm sorry. I, do I need to do I need to go out and say what we're all thinking
0: here? No, well, no. You can go ahead and you. say what you're thinking. He, the fact he, is, he's all defensive. Oh, he's all Big Ten defensive. How do you, how mean, do you argue that? <laughs> how do I argue it? Well, yeah. How do you argue it? This. You're saying, "What do you get political vote because he's white?" Is that what you're leading to? I
3: didn't say that. You said it.
0: I said it, but you were going to.
3: No, I wasn't. I was going to say that he's just not a good
4: defender.
0: Oh, okay. We'll leave it at that then.
4: Believe it at that. You know, one thing, you know, I again this is one of those things where I'm not taking a shot at Izzo. I'm I'm honestly asking you, I think I know the way that Jared would go. So maybe this is more directed at Ted because Okay. Um you've you've brought up a few times giving Izzo credit and Izzo deserves credit. I'm not saying he doesn't, but these injuries a lot of people are talking about the injuries that Michigan State had Langford and then Ward, even though he's back now and you know, obviously Aaron's and he's I don't know if he's gonna come back for the tournament, probably not. Doubtful. But do you think you know so people are saying like this is one of Tom Izzo's best coaching uh, seasons, his best job as a coach because of all these injuries. But I, I kind of like looked at it as these injuries kind of like forced his hand to play guys like Tillman more, to play guys like Henry more, to play guys like Goins more. And those guys have stepped up like, up like crazy. I mean, Tillman is a difference maker when he's on the floor. Goins has been great knocking down threes. So like, there's a side to me that's like these injuries actually like made Michigan State better. So was that necessarily a coaching job, or was it that you know better players came out and played?
0: you know, since you directed at me and i I've had a chance to kind of listen to you break it down, there's probably some truth in that, Matt. I mean, you know, would Izzo have made these adjustments without the injuries? Probably not. But he still has to coach them up when when you're playing with, you know less players. but i I get your point. I you know, can that can that continue through the rest of the tournament? You know, will they do a deep run? I guess we'll find out,
4: yeah, because I mean, you would wonder if Ward had never gotten hurt. He'd probably still be getting major minutes because I mean he was like he was one of the guys, right? And if Langford hadn't gotten hurt, I mean Langford was supposed to be like the leading scorer. Langford goes down and Cassius Winston takes over that kind of like lead dog role and how he's Big Ten Player of the Year. So I, it's just one of the things I thought about. Like, is it is it more on the coaching or is it more that not necessarily better players, but you know maybe better lineups were came out of these
3: injuries?
0: Yeah, I can't give well, a definitive if- answer, but I, I get where you're at.
3: Yeah. You could almost say, well, wouldn't they be even better off if they had all these players, if they had Lankford? Maybe. I mean, if that's, Ward that's, was there the I'd whole be time. curious,
4: like, if Langford was there. Langford was really good. He was playing well. But, I mean, Winston won Big Ten Player of the Year, so you'd have to wonder if Langford was playing all year, if Winston would have put up the numbers that he did. Or, obviously, like, if Ward was there, is Tillman out there as much? I mean, Tillman, I think I, – I forget the number again. I think it was like a 15-point difference when Tillman was on the floor and off the floor. When he's on the floor, he was a difference maker. When he's off the floor, he got in foul trouble in that first half. That's when Michigan kind of built the lead. So, you know, if Ward is out there, Ward doesn't have the same impact that Tillman does.
0: So, Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, the fact is Michigan State swept Michigan three straight games, and they have the crown right now. Now we start a new season starting on Thursday. And, you know, I think we've broke down the game enough, right? It's time to start talking tournament time, and the big story – uh, after the selection show, oh my God, it's the big national story. Michigan State got screwed. you know they they were definitely deserving of being you know the fifth team in or even a possible number one seed. Uh, do you think that all goes away? We're recording this on Monday. Do you think all that talk goes away or is that gonna be bad karma coming back to haunt them that oh, they might have to face Duke.
3: Okay, Michigan State got completely screwed. I know that, that you might be surprised to hear me say that. But I watched Michigan beat North Carolina by 17 points. Michigan's atrocious, all right? Michigan's atrocious. I watched Michigan State blow their doors off three straight games. And yet Michigan State is sitting here after winning the Big Ten, which I have said before is not that great of a conference. But regardless, they won the Big Ten regular season, and they win the the tournament. They should be a one seed. And they end up in the same bracket as Duke, which is probably the best team in the tournament everyone's saying. I get the whole, you want to keep it regional, But they were just flat-out screwed. However, I will say this. I think Michigan State matches up better with Duke than probably any other team in the country. I mean, can you imagine Michigan trying to match up with R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Duke's just whole front line? Who would we put on them? Iggy? Like, who would we putting on Zion? Iggy? Charles Matthews, who can't guard McQuaid? Like, we would just get absolutely – we would get our doors blown off. Whereas Michigan State has Goins. They have Tillman. They have Ward, who can just kind of – protect the paint or whatever you want war to do. We don't have that. And I really think that Michigan State matches up really well with Duke. So when it's all said that. I I would be curious to see
4: Tillman against Zion, like if that matchup ends up playing out. I think yeah, I think Tillman could actually I don't think there's anyone in college basketball that can stop Zion, but I think Tillman would be an interesting matchup for sure. I I feel like you're contradicting yourself because you're saying that the Big Ten is, is not a very good conference. They have the most teams in the tournament. And if you're saying the Big Ten is not a very good conference well, Michigan State lost twice to Indiana, once to illinois so they've they've got some really bad losses, so I know they have the most quad one wins in the whole country you know in the whole all the teams in the tournament, but they've got some really bad losses too, so it's one of those things I mean, I think about it like Michigan football you know if if people got mad at Maryland for not beating Ohio State, and you know if Maryland would have beat Ohio State, Michigan would have won the big ten, and then the outcome of the Michigan Ohio State game wouldn't have mattered. Michigan got their doors blown off. So if people would have been like, come on, Maryland, why didn't you help us out and beat Ohio State? Take care of business. Michigan should have beat Ohio State. They would have been in the Big Ten Championship game, blah, blah, blah. Michigan State has no gripe, I don't think, at the seating that they are. I know people are mad they shouldn't have been put in Duke's region. Okay, if, if that's your big beef, I, I guess, okay, whatever. But you're going to have to go through Duke at some point anyway. And, like, is Duke some, like, big, big, bad, scary team that you're so scared about? Zion Williams and stuff that you're, like, so mad you don't want to play him in the Elite Eight? And to that point, you've got to win three games before you possibly go play Duke anyway. So how about you win those three games first and then worry about playing Duke? The last time Michigan State got mad about not being a one-seed, when they ended up a two, they lost to Middle Tennessee State in the first round. So how about you worry about Bradley, win that game, get to the second weekend like you couldn't do last year, and then maybe you can talk about playing Duke. Because if Michigan State fans think that they're the best team in the country, they just swept Michigan. They, Izzo, the greatest coach of all time. You shouldn't be worried
3: about Duke, right? Wow. Matt, you can't use that as, you can't say, well, they bring up the middle Tennessee State thing. Because if Michigan State's a one seed, they don't play middle Tennessee State. It could be the same exact thing here. Like, I don't I don't know shit about Bradley, but they could be good. And Michigan State got screwed. They should have been a one seed. I mean, do I have to read Michigan beat North Carolina by 17. I've seen North Carolina play, okay? Michigan State went out and beat Michigan three straight times yeah you're going to tell me that North Carolina deserved it over Michigan State when they didn't even win the ACC's regular season or the ACC tournament. I get the ACC's really good.
4: Duke's the overall number one seed, and North Carolina beat them twice. So I mean, okay, yeah, Michigan beat them by 17. Michigan was rolling. Michigan was, they started the season 17 and0. I mean like that that win that loss by North Carolina to Michigan is not a bad loss, by any means. You know what you know what bad losses are? two losses to Indiana and one to Illinois. I'm not going to sit
3: here and act like I know the national picture, but I know Michigan and I know Michigan State. Okay? I know those two teams. I, I, I watched them probably 20 times apiece this season. Michigan State deserved a one seed. Just f- plain and period. I've seen them play. They're a very good team. They deserved the one seed.
0: So they, deserve now, whether it, or not, they deserved it over North Carolina or Virginia? Who, who, North,
3: who, I believe North Carolina is who they
4: deserved it over. Okay. I think North Carolina is definitely deserving of a one seed, mostly because of those two big wins over Duke and the rest of their season. But I think the one is Virginia. I I think they, Michigan State could have been the one over Virginia. I, I just I think Virginia's fraudulent. I yep. mean, not just because they lost to a sixteen last year, just because of their overall history in the tournament. and I know everyone says, like, this Virginia team is different, and then they turn around and lose to Florida State in the ACC tournament. Yeah, I think
0: I think maybe I guess we're all in agreement. I think Michigan State should have been a number one seed as well. I think, again
4: – I don't think Michigan State should have been yeah, a number one seed. Yeah, Matt was – Oh, you
0: don't think Man, so? You must have
4: zoned no. out. I don't think you can I lose to Indiana are... twice and Illinois once and complain about being a 2
0: seed. Yeah, I guess I was zoned out a little bit when he started talking about <laughs> Virginia, but <laughs> my bad. Okay. So I,
4: that Virginia would be, if they were to be over a team, I think Virginia would be the team. Like I, could, I feel like you could almost flip a coin between Virginia and Michigan State for that one.
0: Okay. Well, I do agree. You were pretty passionate about your uh, your argument on where the Spartans were, and, and I liked it. I mean, you know, when you talked about Middle Tennessee State and they had been whining about their seeding that year – it's the same thing. They got to get over it like right now and and just get that out of their mind and out of all this all the talk. You know, forget about it. Like you said, they got to get 3 games under their belt first. Start, yeah. Starting with and Bradley. I mean,
4: if you if you're so scared of Duke then like don't play. I mean, I don't know what what are you so scared about Duke for because you you're, you're going to have to play him at some point anyway if you want to win a national championship. I mean, if If you think Duke is that great and they're going to run through the whole tournament, you're going to have to play them at some point anyway. The sad
0: thing that I see here in the brackets and where they put them, it's all about the money, and I think we're all in agreement on that, aren't we? I mean, aren't we in the day and age nowadays where is travel that huge of a deal? Yeah, I mean, it is. If if you're a Spartan fan or a Michigan fan, it's a hell of a lot easier to go to Des Moines, Iowa, to watch them in the first weekend. But really, if you're putting together a 64-team bracket, and you want to be fair about it in the seedings, you can't worry about geography, can you?
4: I was going to bring that up. I don't know, ask Jared or whatever. See what you guys think, because I know, Jared, you've talked about Vegas kind of coming into play with the seedings. Like, for a situation like this, do you think people would be happier? Okay, set the maybe the one seeds to their region, and then, like, the rest of the teams maybe set their seeds. So, like, set the four. Here's your four number two seeds, and then basically do a lottery. You know, like, basically draw out of a hat. It's so, okay, here's your four number two seeds, draw out of a hat where they end up. Do you think that would be more fair?
3: I don't think that would be more fair. I, I don't like that idea. So then people are going to complain
4: about whether they set it for travel or whether whether they put Michigan State in with the I
3: I am so sick of hearing about travel. What's the difference between a three-hour plane ride and a four-hour plane ride? One hour. Like, it, it's Exactly. It's like, but you would think that going like a few more states over, it's like the end of the world. Like, this isn't 1938, you know, it's not Wilt Chamberlain riding the bus all across the country, okay? This isn't Ted's time. We have planes. Everything is so much fly flying private. Like, this isn't, it's not a problem. I don't, no one cares about the geography. Get that out of here.
0: Well, the thing is, Jared, I, I, maybe you misread what I was saying. I mean, yeah, it's not my time, but my whole, my whole point was it shouldn't be geography. You're exactly right. You can hop on a plane to LA. I mean, what difference does it make? Yeah. It's a little bit more inconvenient, but I'd rather see a fair a fair seating system instead of taking into account how many tickets you're going to have sold at that particular arena, you know, and what kind of travel for the fans. The fans to me, as far as showing up to the arenas is secondary to the team it, itself. I mean, isn't that pretty obvious? Isn't that the goal?
4: Yeah, I would think so. And and that's that's I guess where I I know they would never do it that way, but you wanted to take that stuff out you could you know assign the seeds and do some sort of lottery system well i did
0: hear the chairman of the committee saying that yeah geography did play a part in uh, where he put teams including michigan state so yeah I mean, maybe they need to change the maybe they need to change the committee. Maybe not go as drastic as Jared's idea of Vegas, but maybe. But maybe they need to get some different people on the uh, on the committee. Maybe real experts, you know, instead of you know getting some ads that are on the board for you know a three or four year period. Can I just so,
3: so I agree with what you said, Matt? You're saying here that they shouldn't be whining about facing Duke. Do you want to face Duke as Michigan? I mean, I'd be wetting myself seeing Zion lighting up, warming up across the court for me if I'm Michigan. We have, we would have no answer for him. So you think that that it's like Michigan State is being like crybabies? But are you honestly telling me that if you're Michigan, you wouldn't be shaking in your boots right now? If I if Michigan was in the East bracket,
4: yes, I think I think the East bracket is far easier than the West bracket. The the number three seed in the East is LSU. They don't have a head coach. (laughs) The the number seven seed in the East is Louisville, who's lost eight out of their last 12. The number 10 is Minnesota, who Michigan State beat by 24. Maryland is the number six, who Michigan State has beat also. So, I mean, outside of Duke, uh, just being honest, that's probably the weakest uh, region in the bracket. So if you're shaking in your boots over Duke, okay, get to the Elite Eight and beat them. I mean, if you're – if you're so impressive, if Tom Izzo is the greatest coach of all time, if Michigan State is the greatest program in the history of college basketball, then you should be able to beat one player. You well, should be able to beat Duke.
0: Well, not only that, I mean, if you're shaking in your boots, then you shouldn't be on the number two line, should you? Where should you be exactly. seated?
4: Exactly. It's funny to me, too, to hear like Michigan State fans talk about, like, in Michigan State media, you know other people, too, like the Big Ten tournament is pointless. Michigan sucks. We just beat them three times. Michigan sucks. And then try and use that stuff to justify them being a number one seed. So, like, which one is it? If you if you want to use those three wins against Michigan, like Jared, you're saying Michigan's atrocious, but then you're also saying Michigan State should be a number one. So those three wins over an atrocious Michigan team shouldn't mean anything then. So like either That's either Michigan's my... really good and you're using those three wins to justify a one, or you're saying they Michigan sucks and Michigan State shouldn't be a number one seed.
3: Well, Matt, but let me, I don't let get me the turn whining. this back on
4: you. the whining. You're number you two. Said Ten, you, you said losses, that the Big Ten's— Two to Indiana, one to Illinois, you're number two. Go out and win your damn games. Win the tournament. Well, Matt,
3: okay, Matt, same question to you. You're, you're saying that I'm being—I a credit. You're saying that the Big Ten's the best conference in, in, the entire, in the entire nation. They're so good. They have all these teams in the NCAA tournament. So don't you think Michigan State winning both the regular season and the conference tournament should mean a little bit more than a two-seed in the best one-seeds bracket?
4: I I think they have an argument to be the number one. I think the top of the ACC is better than the top of the Big Ten. But I think top to bottom, the Big Ten is better. I mean, they have the most teams in the bracket. It's those losses. Michigan State has really bad losses. It's kind of like, you know, Michigan shouldn't have lost to Penn State if they wanted to not have that last game of the regular season against Michigan State before the Big Ten. They shouldn't have lost to Penn State. They shouldn't have lost to Iowa in the regular season. I mean, look yourself in the mirror. It's Michigan State's fault they're a number two seed. It's not anyone else's fault. It's not the committee's fault. It's not Michigan's fault. It's not Beeline's fault. It's not anyone's fault. Michigan State has six losses on the season. They're number two seed for a reason.
0: Yeah, well, you, you also argued with yourself just a little bit saying the Big Ten is the strongest conference top to bottom, so that means the bottom teams can rise to the occasion periodically.
4: Yeah, yeah, but they're, I mean, they're, they're still like, they're not seen as good losses. Like North Carolina's loss to Michigan is, is if you want to say it's seen as a good loss, right. it's a good loss.
0: I get it. All right. Well, you know what? We got uh, we got our special guest, Reggie Walker, on the other line waiting to talk some more bracket stuff. And before we get to Reggie, I just want to tell our listeners, check out SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. Call 989-720-SELL for details or online at SheridanAuctionService.com. They got an auction ending March 26th. 500 lots of sporting goods and Home Depot items, live auction also Saturday the 23rd at Ingham County Fairgrounds. So go go buy some items and then watch some March Madness. All
4: right, guys. Well, uh, we were able to get some thoughts off our chest about that third straight Michigan State beatdown of Michigan. So let, let's move on from that. Let's move on to the NCAA tournament. You know, selection Sunday's over. Brackets are out. Let's bring in our own bracketologist. He joined us last year around this time and and broke down the tournament for us. Um, So we wanted to bring him back and and see what he had to say about this year's tournament and give us a little little inside info on on the NCAA tournament. We've got Reggie Walker on the phone with us. Reggie, how's it
1: going? Oh, it's good. It's good. Life's good. March Madness is here. Uh, no one's getting work done on Thursdays and Fridays for the next two weeks, so it's all good.
4: <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, the, the first thing I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. I mean, obviously, this podcast we're we're big on Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, we know you're a Big Ten guy, but I just want to get your thoughts real quick on the hot topic right now. You know, in East Lansing, is they think that they kind of got hosed with their. They thought they were maybe a number two seed, but being in Duke's uh, region, what what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I, I, the region part, um, is, it's always about protecting the one. The, the, the bigger issue I have is, and, and I would have to make sure I got this right, but I know they, they, they talk about the S-curve. So generally the number one overall seed would get essentially the fourth two seed. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, that makes absolutely no sense. I thought the Michigan-Michigan State game and the Big Ten title game should have been for a one seed, or at the very least, whoever lost was go, would go down to the three line, if nothing else. But I also didn't agree with, I just don't understand how a team cannot win either the regular season or the conference tournament and get a one seed. That, to me, may, didn't make a lot of sense. Between Virginia, Duke, and North Carolina, somebody should not have gotten a one seed. I understand they wanted to reward Duke for winning the ACC tournament, but they also lost to North Carolina twice during the season. Virginia collapsed in the ACC tournament, which they were leading the pack the entire year. I just feel like one of those teams needed to be, quote unquote, punished. But I think this is one of those situations where they just really, really respect the ACC as a league as a whole.
4: I mean, maybe you can say scheduling came into play that, you know, the, the SEC tournament championship was on, you know, Sunday afternoon, but the, the Big Ten championship, that Michigan Michigan State game you talked about wrapped up basically minutes before the brackets were released. Do you think that kind of hurt Michigan State in a sense, that if that championship would have been Saturday night maybe, that that may have changed?
1: I don't think so. And the reason why I say that is because I've seen situations in the past to where the Big Ten champion has ended up on that one line or ended up higher than many people thought after that game as well. So I think, I think a lot of times we think or maybe we're predicting that the committee – is really waiting till all the games are over. I don't agree with that, which is why I think every conference tournament should be over on Saturday and then the brackets come out at noon on Sunday. I think that would be smarter because then we know for sure everybody's full data is in and they have some time to look at everything. They talk about body of work. There is no way you can tell me it's about a full body of work if one game ends within minutes. Of the bracket being released, there, there's no way because, again, I'll just put it this way what if that's Tennessee? Going in, they may have Tennessee. Let's just, I'm just going to play hypothetical. Let's say Tennessee's on the one line going into that game. They're playing right before this, the brackets are released and they get blown out by 30. They, you can't tell me that shouldn't impact. I'm not saying if they lose, but at the end of the day, if you get blown out by 30 or the way they get beat by Auburn, That's got to impact in some way, shape, or form. But if they're playing right before, the conversation is, well, if they win, they're here. If they lose, they're here. Where's the blowout contingency? If they lose by 30, then where are they? And I think that's the danger, which is why I've always called for conference tournaments to end on Saturday evening. And then they can figure it out overnight maybe even sleep on it if they want to and release the brackets about noon on Sunday.
3: I agree with everything you said, Reggie. Uh, I think that the conference tournament should be finished on Saturday, just like you said. Uh, But I have an idea. Everyone complains about the seeding. And I actually saw a tweet from R.J. Bell, who's a former bookmaker, that said, some of the teams that were left out would be favored by five plus points over teams that got in like temple as someone who often loses like betting on football and basketball, nobody knows basketball football better than those Vegas bookmakers. Do you think that having bookmakers set the seeds would improve the tournament as a whole? I know it might not be likely, but do you think it would? I
1: I, I think that's tough because the main reason why I'm, I'm leery of that is because I'm trying, I don't know what data they use Um, Mm -hmm. because I'll put it to you this way. If you're comparing Texas, to Temple, if you're comparing Texas to Belmont, most people will say Texas would be favored because, on paper at least, they have the better basketball players based on recruiting and those types of things. So I think that's dangerous. I think that my biggest issue is with with the tournament at least, just getting in. Let's, let's put aside seating for a second. There are two entities that no one ever complains about who makes the playoffs, the NFL and Major League Baseball. There's never a question. Because before the season starts, you are told this is what you have to do, period. I think as a player, that's my issue with selection committees in general. You don't know what you have to do. They, they'll, they'll use different logic for different situations. I heard one analyst say Duke is the number one seed because they won the ACC and because of some of the teams that they beat. Okay, And then I heard that same analyst say, Tennessee should be closer to a one seed because they beat Gonzaga. Well, Gonzaga beat Duke, which is what another analyst sitting next to him said. And he said, well, that happened way back in November. Well, my response to that, first of all, is you're a hypocrite. <laughs> but the second thing I say to that is this. Gonzaga beat Duke, and then they ended up playing a road game at North Carolina and Tennessee at neutral sites. Those are the two games they lost between the beginning of the season in their conference tournament championship game, including beating Duke without their best player, Killian Tilly. Now, I'm not suggesting they should be the number one overall seed. I'm not saying that. But for people to say they shouldn't be on the one line because they lost to St. Mary's in the conference tournament championship, when if you say Duke is the number one overall seed, who has the best win in college basketball? North Carolina has two of them because they beat Duke twice. And then on the flip side – gonzaga beat duke what does that tell me maybe you need to look at virginia and reevaluate if they should be a one seed
0: would you uh if you're looking at the brackets at the number one seeds would you have somebody in there right now over virginia let's just say michigan state and i think probably what kept state off that line i I think they deserve it but i think the two losses to indiana and the loss to illinois kept them off that line
1: well that's absolutely what kept them off that line but at the end of the day it's also about quality of wins and and I would argue as good as the ACC is, the Big Ten, from top to bottom, it's better at the bottom than some of the teams in the ACC at the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's number one. And it's more of, more, it's closer to a true round robin than anybody else. Um, so you, you're going to get that. I would also argue that if you look at, uh, you know, in Indiana, they were, in some people's minds, they were a bubble team. Now, I didn't agree with that, but in some people's minds, they were a bubble team. So you start looking at the body of work, again, there's that phrase again, and you have to ask yourself what what the committee was doing uh, with some of these scenarios. And now, I thought they did get a lot of scenarios right. I thought by getting Belmont in there, I thought was smart. Now, don't get me started on the first four games because it's absolutely absurd to me that two of the games are for an 11 seed and two of the games are for a 16 seed. <laughs> it should all be for the same seed line. I will yell that every year until I'm blue in the face because that's stupid to me.
4: I, I would be curious to hear whether it's from the committee or whoever, the justification it's between making one a 16 and the other one's an 11. I'd be curious to hear that. But I was going to ask you about Virginia just real quick. Like, Do you think teams, I mean, Gonzaga, they were in the championship game a few years ago, but historically they've been high seeds that have gotten bounced early. That's kind of Virginia's MO right now. I mean, they lost to a 16 seed last year. Do you think that kind of stuff should come into play with seeding, or do you think the committee should look at it? just this year's team, I mean, like, the, throughout the body of work again, just the 2018-2019 season, or do you think they should look at teams like Virginia and Gonzaga and, you know, some other teams that get high seeds and consistently get get bounced early?
1: No, I think it's about this year. But I also think um, if you're a smart basketball mind, you should be able to see the flaws of a basketball team. I've been saying for years, Virginia needs to run more. They need to run about 20% more, get a few more easy baskets, because what happens is, they don't know how to come from behind because everything is slowed down. And so when they fall behind, they can't catch up. That's always their issue. It's going to continue to be their issue. And to me, if they don't make the decision to play a little bit faster in spots, they're going to continue to have this problem. And that's why I'm not in love with, and I don't think this basketball team, Tony Bennett's team, is going to make a deep run in the tournament. To add to that, if we want to talk about last year – Virginia fans will tell you, well, if, if – uh, I can't think of the kid's name. If he wasn't hurt, they would have beat a 16. I'm sorry. If you have to have your best player as a one seed to beat a 16, you're not that good. And so that was the answer to me right there. Gonzaga, I'll put it to him this way. For all of those fans that say that, Gonzaga beat Duke on a neutral floor without Killian Tilly. I want to hear the argument now. I think that's fair, right? I mean, yeah, I think so too, yeah. You know, I do think it should be about the body of work this year, but there are enough basketball minds on the committee that should also be able to look at a basketball team and see where they're vulnerable and understand how impactful that is in the NCAA tournament. Because what they're telling me this year is they don't see the vulnerability of Virginia, and they also don't see the vulnerability of Duke to put them that high, even though we saw them lose to North Carolina twice during the regular season and lose to a Gonzaga team in Maui as well. So that tells me they're picking their spots as to win to find holes. Because if you're going to tell me, oh, Gonzaga got sped up by, at the point guard position, particularly with, with Josh Perkins, got sped up and taken out of his game by St. Mary's, that's why they don't deserve to be a one. How are you going to ignore the fact that Virginia couldn't score the basketball against Florida State? How are you going to ignore the fact that Gonzaga is the same basketball team that beat Duke? How are you going to ignore the fact that North Carolina, after beating Duke twice, lost some games they shouldn't have lost. So you you start to spin this thing around, and it goes back to what I always say. The reason I don't like committees is because they'll justify around their words to put people where they want to put them.
3: We, we could sit here and talk about uh, the committee all day. I love it as much as the next guy, but we all know that as soon as that bracket starts on Thursday, we're all going to forget about it. So one of my fa- no, one of my, fa- my favorite March Madness tournament of all time was back when Kemba Walker led UConn to a title back in 2011. So my question yeah. to you is, who, who is a flashy, flashy guard that you think could, as I like to call it, pull a Kemba this year?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um, there's some guys out there, I don't know about a Final Four or a championship run, uh, look out for Oregon. Uh, I think Pritchard at the guard position is really, really good. Uh, he's better, I think, than people give him credit for. I like Cassius Winston as well at Michigan State. <laughs> no, he, he gets it. He understands basketball. No, he does. Um, he and he real really good. knows how to get guys involved. I think I think that's a really good team anyway. I mean, obviously they're seated high anyway. The one that just just I can't completely dismiss. I, I'm sorry. You can't ignore Kansas. They're sitting there, I, and here's the thing. Some people love Auburn because of what they did against Tennessee. I think they shoot entirely too many threes, and that just scares me half to death. I'm just, I'm just not in love with that many three-pointers. And so for me, um, I can't fall in love with that group. And then, look, I don't think there's a human in the country, aside from maybe Zion Williamson because he's a cyborg, that's going to slow down John Morant and Murray State, period. That's a guy that with his ability to get to the rim, his ability to shoot it from distance, his ability to score in the mid-range, and his ability on the defensive end of the floor, I can see him carrying a team through the second weekend, probably as far as maybe the Elite Eight. I don't know if they're good enough depth-wise as a whole team to get to the Final Four, but he's one of those type of players that can put a team on his back for a weekend, and all of a sudden you look up and you go, whoa, here they come. So that's that's a group that i like and then here i'm gonna throw one out there that that may surprise you a little bit but it shouldn't and that's nevada hmm. nevada they, they started the year high numbers hot some people had the audacity to say they would go undefeated that was just crazy look out for this basketball team because they've got the feel of like you know how you see nba teams and they kind of get to about 50 games then they just hang out for like a month because they don't really care and it's like just get us to the playoffs I think this Nevada team is an example of that. Uh, that crew out there with the Martins and Caroline and that group, look out for that group to make a deep run as well.
0: Yeah, and I think they're the most seasoned team in the, in the uh, bracket. I mean, they average, I think, 23 years old.
1: That's right. They got It's a bunch of transfers, guys that have taken red shirts, hung out in college. I think that's, that could be a scary thing for some teams, particularly in that Western bracket, because those guys are really, really talented. And they've got a chance to do something out there. And look out for Texas Tech in that bracket as well. The way they guard people as a three seed, look out for them. They'll make some noise as well.
4: Well, hearing those two names, those potentially could be two matchups for Michigan. So Michigan fans out there need to take note of that.
0: Yeah, what do you think, uh, Reggie, about Michigan? I mean, they, they obviously play some lockdown defense. They haven't figured out how to beat Michigan State. But do they have a legitimate chance to, uh, to make it to a regional final or beyond?
1: I think they do, and, and, and the main reason why is because they will defend. They've uh, First of all, how many people have consistently figured out how to beat Tom Izzo in March? <laughs> right. I rest my case. Um, I love b He's a good coach, but there's a reason why Tom Izzo is, is up in the pantheon of great coaches in college basketball. That's no knock on anybody else, but Tom Izzo finds a way every time, whether it's injuries, whether it's guys going to the NBA early, whatever the case may be, Tom Izzo is going to be there in March. And so I can understand if Elon can't figure out how to consistently beat Izzo. He does beat him from time to time, which helps. But it's really hard to beat Izzo consistently. And I'll put it this way. If all of a sudden Izzo was losing to people consistently, he wouldn't still be at Michigan State. That's how you keep your job. Mm-hmm. But I do think Michigan has a chance. I love what they have inside. With I'm going to butcher his name, Brzdikas, Really solid inside, like the big guy. Uh, he can step out and shoot it as well. We've seen I like what Michigan has. they got three guys on the perimeter that know how to play basketball. I like their team. I think the key for Michigan is how well they scored in the mid-range. We know about Beeline and the three-ball. We know they'll go inside. How well do they handle the mid-range game, get to the middle of the spots, getting easy shots, and playing in transition off of their defense? Those are going to be the two keys for them. If you look up at Michigan scoring 18 to 20 points a game off of turnovers, they're probably making a very deep run in this tournament. I
3: love to hear that. Uh, another one of my favorite things about March is that you get all these different broadcast crews that start broadcasting college games. I mean, you have Jay Billis, Gus Johnson, Grant Hill at Raftery, Reggie Miller, Chris Weber. I'm curious, as like, somebody who's in the media, like who's your favorite?
1: Oh, man. Um, when it comes tournament time, uh, I love the energy of Raftery. The energy of Bill Raftery is awesome. And then, I'm a, listen, I am a big, big on Lynn Elmore. I think Lynn Elmore is excellent. Um, he does a great job. I like most of the groups. Uh, Kevin Harlan's excitement—just it, it doesn't get much better than that. He really understands how to create that energy. Jim Nance is just solid. Like I don't dislike him, but he's solid, um, and so I'm okay with that. But my guy is is obviously Raf. I love Raftery and his energy. Um, and then and and we, you know, Billis is just good. Uh, don't get me wrong, but uh, I just I love the energy and the excitement that Raftery forces you to have as you watch these games coming down the stretch.
0: Now, he won't be working the tournament. What do you think about Dan Dockish?
1: Love Danny. Um, And the reason why I love Dockish is he's so direct with everything, and he tells you from his perspective exactly what he thinks, what coaches should be thinking, and why they may be thinking otherwise.
0: And he he doesn't doesn't give a damn about what anybody (laughs) thinks about him either. I like that.
1: Well, that's what makes him great is because here's the way I describe him. Dan Dockich analyzes the game based on what he sees and what he knows. He doesn't care about who his friends are in the coaching business. I think a lot of these guys get caught in situations where they don't want to criticize their friend. They don't want to criticize a guy that they know. They don't want to criticize or disagree with a guy that's won a national championship just because you know they don't want that guy to call them and say, hey, man, what's up with that? Dawkins is like, look, man, I don't care. This is who I am. This is how I think. If you don't like it, I respect that, but this is my opinion. And that's why he's a really, really good analyst.
3: I have uh, just one more question about Michigan, Michigan State. I know we keep harping on it, but that's, that's our lifeblood. That's what we love. So after Michigan got seemingly a better seed than M- MSU, a lot of people around here are saying that's because of the Michigan bias and how we're always put on national TV. We see it in football every bowl season when they put us in a New Year's Day bowl when honestly, as a Michigan fan, we don't deserve it. So I'm just curious, as someone who is not from Michigan, do Michigan athletics like move the needle for you? Do you find yourself tuning into a lot more Michigan games than other teams that are in the Big Ten?
1: I well, it's it's different for me. I got a little bit of a love hate relationship with Michigan. As a kid, I wanted to go to Michigan, and then I went to Penn State. Um, and we lost football games to them, so I, I didn't like them at all because I couldn't beat them. Um, but the reality is people watch Michigan. Michigan has a following nationally. It's a national program. People can call it a regional program all they want. Michigan is a national brand. That helmet in football, people know what that looks like. Maize and Blue is very easy to recognize. It's a national program, and it's always going to create ratings. And if people think that's not the case, I would tell them to go look it up. The reality is TV people, their job is to create the biggest ratings so they can get the highest number for their advertising. So at the end of the day, Michigan moves the needle. Notre Dame moves the needle in football. Syracuse moves it in basketball. Duke, North Carolina, all those teams move the needle, which is why, generally speaking, they're going to get put, A, on national TV, and, B, oftentimes people are going to want, uh, when you're talking about TV people, and committees, they're going to want them involved because they know they'll
2: bring eyeballs.
0: I got one final question for myself too, Reggie. Actually, we'll make it a two-parter. My first question is, um, back to the brackets, back to the seedings. Do you think an an under 500 team in their conference should be in the tournament, even if it's a tough conference?
1: Personally, I don't. I I think, unless you need them to fill out the bracket, you know, kind of how it is in college football where you have to have at least the six wins, um, and if you don't, then you gotta have, there's some kind of other criteria to get you in. I just personally, I don't think – I think at minimum you need to be 500 in your league, to, for at least for an at-large bid. Now, if you want to talk about conference tournaments and all that stuff, that's a whole other discussion. But to me, if you're an at-large bid, how am I going to make you an at-large team and you can't be 500 in your league?
0: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. You're less than
1: average in your league.
0: And that would open it up maybe for a couple more you know mid-majors that have had a fantastic season but didn't win their tournament.
1: I mean – Somebody had the audacity – I mean, let's think about this, and I know I keep using Gonzaga as the example, but somebody is saying they don't deserve to be a one seed. They went undefeated in their league in the regular season and lost in the conference tournament championship. (laughs) Their other two losses are on the road at North Carolina, another number one seed, and a two seed in Tennessee
0: who played in the SEC
1: championship game. What has Gonzaga done so wrong that says they
4: can't be a one seed?
0: Pretty solid resume.
4: I'm not quite sure what else you can do yeah that that that's a tough one to argue. I guess maybe people think about the their history maybe of getting bounced out of the tournament a little early, but like we talked about earlier, that shouldn't come into play. We're talking about this year. I gotta ask real quick I mean Zion Williamson's ridiculous. I mean people hate that Duke is on t v all the time they already can't stand Duke, but if you watch I've watched a Good amount of Duke this year, this guy's a freak man i mean he he's gonna be the number one pick, and I think he's gonna he's gonna turn around an n b a team whoever ends up getting him he's gonna be in instant impact player in the NBA. I mean, what do you see from Zion?
1: I think he's going to be really, really good in the NBA. The thing I like about him the most that I think is going to make him somewhat transcendent is he actually cares on the defensive end of the floor. And I think that's just... A, it's a, if, he doesn't, if that doesn't become one of those things that in the NBA he kind of gets lazy about and says, well, you know, I'll just play offensive end and be a typical NBA player and pick my spots when I want to play defense. If he falls into that it'll it'll be disappointing to me. But I think if he always has the intensity on the defensive end of the floor that he has at the college level, I think the sky is more than the limit for this dude. He's going to be ridiculous. Um, we know he's got to work on a jump shot, obviously. And, young fella, I need you to make free throws because you're going to have the basketball in your hands a lot. But the reality is I think his skill set is really good. He's a really good ball handler. He sees the floor very well. His shot selection is actually really good also. Uh, you like all of his basketball IQ. You just wonder, will the energy remain on the defensive end of the floor and how will the jump shot develop? I think if those two things project and traject in the right way, he, we're looking at a transcendent player in the NBA.
0: All right, Reggie, final four time. Who you got?
1: Here we go. Let me say this first. Um, there's going to be some surprises coming out of here just because, you know, looking at everything, um, I just think that there's there's going to be some teams that look good on paper that aren't going to be there. So my final four, I'm going to give them to you bracket by bracket. Out of the south, I think Tennessee comes out of the south. I just think if, if Virginia gets there, which I'm not sure Virginia gets to the regional final, I think they're going to have a problem with Kansas State. And I think Tennessee is going to be in a dogfight with Villanova, but in the end I think they'll survive to get past Villanova. But Villanova really, really good. Um, you like what Phil Booth and Eric Paschal can do um, with that basketball team. But I think Tennessee bounces back from getting thumped in the SEC championship game um, you love what Admiral Schofield can do, Grant Williams. And they got a good point guard. If you don't have a point guard in college basketball in the tournament, you're not going to win. And I think Jordan Bone is one of the best in the country. So I like Tennessee out of the south. This one is going to probably surprise some people. Give me Kansas out of the Midwest. I'm not in love with North Carolina's shot selection and decision-making down the stretch. You can't take two step-back threes when you're down one point against Duke in the ACC championship game. you got to be smarter than that to me. I think Luke May sometimes as great as he has been, Sometimes he disappears in big moments, um, and that's just – you can't rely on that. And I think Kansas' has battle tested they've gone through a lot with this basketball team, but I think Bill Self has finally figured out – now they know they're not getting with Vic Vick back. They've figured out some of their eligibility things. Bill Self knows how to coach. He's improved over the years. So give me Bill Self out of the Midwest and Kansas. Out of the West, I think it's going to be interesting, but I think Gonzaga's actually going to push all the way through and get to the Final Four. Yes, I have them beating – or or getting past the West, which includes Michigan. Yes, I'm saying that on this phone call. (laughs) Go ahead and kill me on the podcast. (laughs) I think Michigan's problem ultimately um, in this this bracket is going to be Texas Tech. And I think whoever wins that game, I just don't think they're going to have much left for the next couple of games because that game is just going to be such a fight because Texas Tech so good defensively, Michigan so good defensively, you talk about two teams that make it really difficult to score the basketball. I just think that's going to be an absolute dogfight, and whoever comes out of that, I think Gonzaga is going to be able to get by them because I think Gonzaga has enough to do it. They'll have Tilly back, Rui Hachimura. We know what he can do. I think Perkins has learned a lot from the game he had against St. Mary's. He'll play better as well. I like their pieces, Clark inside as well. Um, I think they'll find a way to come out of the West and get to Minneapolis. And then, look, I think Michigan State gets there. I love Duke. I, I don't think Duke has enough outside shooting. Michigan State will force them to take tough twos and long threes. Duke does not have enough shooting consistently. You look, Barrett and Reddish can knock it down, but they're not consistent enough, particularly from the three-point line with the jump shot, I think, to get to a Final Four.
0: You got a feel for a champion?
1: Yeah, I think Sparty cuts down the net. Sparty! Oh, There man. you
0: go, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't
1: I believe I've been wrong before. I've been right before. <laughs> one of those will happen again.
0: That's, par- that's <laughs> part of the fun, man. That's part of the fun. All right, before we let you go, Reggie, what's, uh, what's the best spot for uh, our listeners to, to catch up with you?
1: Um, I know they're going to be mad at me, especially the Michigan fans, so go ahead and hit me on Twitter at rwalk13, one 3 Is the best place to find me. So go ahead, hit me up. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. The only thing is, whatever your opinion is, you got to be able to back it up.
0: (laughs) Bring it. You got to bring it. All right, Reggie. Hey, we really appreciate the time tonight. Uh, an annual affair here for the Brackets. We love it.
1: Absolutely. I'm in. Anytime, guys. Thanks,
0: Reggie. Well, great stuff there by Reggie, and, you know, we're going to be watching the tournament for sure. in one of our favorite spots, Rivals Taphouse and Grill. That's the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. March Madness is right ahead of us, so head on over to Rivals Taphouse and Grill. Check out all the action on their 21 flat screens and the 120-inch big screen. And also, join our Podcast Bracket Challenge, our neighborhood friends, and March Madness this week, starting Thursday, 321 21 through March 24th, that's at Rivals Tap House and Grill.
5: Well, how howdy-do, it fellas. Ah, it's good to be back on the show. You guys haven't had me on since last year around tournament time. Uh, instead, you have that, that guy, Jack Strap, I don't know what the heck is he doing on there. I could be doing the same thing he is. Uh... It's tournament time here again. Uh, I love the pod, guys. Fellas, love it all. Uh, listen to it all the time. Um, my pick for the tourney here, and you know it's coming right in hot. I, last year, picked those Tennessee vials to turn it around. I'm picking them again to get to the final four in the top right uh, portion of the bracket, whatever the hell it's called, whatever. Uh, Tennessee is in my final four in the top left I'm taking the Duke Blue Devils. Bottom left, I'm taking the Florida State Seminoles, baby. I love the Seminoles. And in the top, or sorry, in the bottom right, I'm, I got to go North Carolina Tar Heels, and I'm taking the Tar Heels to win it all. Carolina, out. Bobby Brackets, out.
3: Okay, so we just heard from Bobby Brackets. It's been a year since we had him on last on the show. I miss him a ton. He knows his basketball, yes, a lot of people weren't a fan of what he had to say last year. A lot of people thought he wasn't a great guest. But I love the guy. He gives us a great aspect from someone that's from the South. And he's, he knows his basketball, like I mentioned. And how about him calling out our favorite friend, Jack Strapp? If I'm Strapp, you got to answer that. Bobby Brackets comes in hot off the street, only been on twice. He thinks he can take your job.
4: I was going to ask you guys, we're going to get into the tourney altogether. We're going to get away from Michigan, Michigan State a little bit. But I did want to ask you guys real quick. If, okay, losing three times to Michigan State four Michigan fans, I mean, you, you can't live that down almost in, you know, in one season. But say, say Michigan all of a sudden just gets hot goes on a roll, and wins a national championship this year. I mean, obviously it would be great to win a national championship, but like, it's always going to be the season that you lost three times to Michigan State, right?
3: You guys know where I stand. I, I care about beating Michigan State almost as much as a national championship, but that's the only way we can have any sort of redemption this year, is to win a national championship, which just seems absolutely absurd, Matt. I like yeah. where your head's at as a, as a fellow Michigan fan, but my God, that's not going to happen. I mean, we have – I'm very nervous. Last year against Montana, Montana jumped out to a 10-0 lead on us. And that's a 15 seed. I'm, I'm a little nervous about that game. Then you, you throw us against the Martin Twins that Reggie mentioned earlier in Nevada. I'm extremely nervous for that game. Earlier this year, a lot of people were saying Nevada was going to go undefeated. Now we have to face them in the second round when we're playing our worst basketball of the season at this point. I don't know. I'm just extremely nervous, guys. And Matt, the fact that you even threw a national title on the table – it, it it's, it's preposterous to me. It's blasphemy, as Stephen A. <laughs> would say.
0: It, it seems that way after the weekend for sure, but w- just keep in mind, again, this is a very talented Michigan team, very well coached. Yeah, they couldn't figure out how to beat Michigan State, but they pretty much beat everybody else. Keep in mind, it might have been early in the season, but they destroyed Villanova. They pounded North Carolina. You know, they were 17-0, and I think, at one time. They played pretty good basketball for most of the season other than the Spartan games. So they've had they'll they have a week almost to regroup if they can get by their first game, you know they're gonna put that Michigan state stuff behind them,
4: yeah, I think so, but i I do think they have a really tough bracket. I mean everyone right away said Gonzaga might be the weakest one seed of the four one seeds, so putting Michigan there was a good thing, but yeah, like like you said, Jared Montana, I don't know they might be out for a little revenge from last year. Uh, so they, that's going to be a tough first-round game. Then Nevada, and then t- possibly Texas Tech. I've done a few Texas Tech games this year. Jarrett Culver, he he's basically like Charles Matthews is, but better if you want to say that for Texas Tech, and they can shoot. So, I mean, they're, Michigan's first three games, if if they get, you know, if they win, are going to be tough. So, I mean, I, I think they have a tough draw. But you know, I I think the biggest thing, even the South, the Midwest, I'm almost kind of like whatever. Obviously, I'm watching Michigan. I want, I honestly, I want to see Michigan State and Duke. Because like it's come up before, I I really think Michigan State matches up really well with Duke. Are you guys? Disapp- can, can can anyone guard Zion one on one? Probably not. But like overall team, I think Michigan State matches up really well.
0: Maybe Izzo will go to his zone. Who knows?
4: Good, yeah, and force them to shoot because Duke is one of the worst shooting teams in the country. So I mean, if yeah, you force them to shoot outside shots, maybe that's the way to go.
0: You know, and you talked. Everybody here has been talking about oh how uh, you know the Gonzaga bracket's an easier one. Well, Reggie laid it out pretty well. I mean. They don't have a bad resume.
3: No, Gonzaga's really good and it's like this is kind of the type of fan I am. I watched Gonzaga beat Duke back in Maui, like over Thanksgiving break, and that's one of those things that's gonna I'm always gonna remember that. It's like that's stuck in my brain. That's a big time victory. And I know it's kinda of contradictory to what I've been saying where Michigan beats North Carolina, that one doesn't really matter that much, but the fact of the matter is you're on national T V everyone's eyes are on you at Maui Invitational and you beat Duke when they were like gods, no one thought they could be beaten. Like, you deserve a one-seat in my eyes. Especially, and then you run through the rest of your turn. I don't, regardless of what conference you're in, you win over 30 games. That's a one-seat.
0: Yeah, they got a good coach, too. He 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 can coach them up.
3: I love his style. No no tie, uh, button, top button undone, suit coat. Not only is he a great coach, but he's got a nice, like, relaxed style that I can appreciate.
0: All right, guys, we, don't, we have to give our final four predictions on this pod, don't we?
4: I think so. Is there any, uh, I mean, just looking at, the bracket or whatever i mean reggie broke it down for us pretty good but i mean we've talked about gonzaga a little bit but are, do you guys see any like crazy upsets do you are you going chalk i saw dickie v you know vital he put out his bracket it's all one ones and twos making it through each region so
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, are you guys going on all him. chalk
4: like dickie v or i mean what do you think
3: you know there's one team that i really am just rooting for like hell for and that's buffalo and head coach Nate Oates. For those who don't know, like, Nate Oates was the head coach at Romulus when they won a couple titles back in the early 2010s. And I remember when he came into Romulus, like, the first thing he did, he bought like three guns. He had, he had a bunch of fundraisers to buy three shooting guns. Ted, do you know what that is? Is Is that is that after your time?
0: No, I guess I don't because I'm thinking of uh, a weapon. What are you talking it's, about?
3: It's a, it's a rebounding like apparatus ah. that when you shoot, and then it gets the rebound for you and passes it back out. So you came yeah. into Romulus fundraisers, completely turned the program around, went up to Buffalo with Bobby Hur, Danny Hurley, or is it, wait, yeah, Bobby Hurley, correct? Right. Bobby Hurley, and the Bobby Hurley moves on to Arizona State. That team is really good. Like, they're about as fundamentally sound and, X's and as, as, as X's and O's come as any team in the country, and I just can't wait to see what they do.
0: Yeah, they're getting a lot of national pub, too. You know, the highest seed ever for a MAC team at six, right?
4: Yep. They were ranked in the top ten for a good part of the season, so it's Nevada. So, I mean, there's there's some smaller schools that might be able to make a little noise, and two or three of those that we're talking about Michigan's going to probably have to go through. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy for Michigan. Reggie threw out Kansas. Maybe maybe because I live here in North Carolina and I, I hear about them all the time and I've watched a lot of their games, and I know it's chalk, but I really think North Carolina's going to come out of there. So, I don't. what do you guys think about Kansas, Reggie's Kansas pick?
0: I'm not that big on them. Myself.
3: They're an interesting team, so if you don't know the story about Gerald Vick, he was, he, he was on the team last year, and he was considering whether or not he wanted to go to the NBA, and Bill Self really didn't want him to come back to Kansas, but he ended up letting him back back on the team. Gerald Vick was like cooking at the start of the season back when they are beating Michigan State and stuff, putting up like 30 points a game. And then he kind of fell off the map. And Bill Self just said, yep, you're done. You're not our team anymore. So they're, they're like they're literally missing two of their best players. They're missing the Gerald Dick, and they're missing Azebuke, who's out with injury. But there's something about Kansas and Bill Self. Like, to see them as a four seed, that's the first time I think in maybe my entire life that they're not a one or two seed. Yeah, And it's just, I don't know. As a four seed, I think they're as dangerous as they come. But I do agree yeah, with what you said. Time... I think North Carolina is a good team. But then again, they lost to Michigan by 17. So.
4: Yeah, it's the first time in, what, 14 years, I believe, that they didn't win the Big 12? So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's been a while since they've been down. I mean, they're a four seed. It's not like they're a 12 or something like that. So it's just crazy to to think about that. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if you guys see any other upsets, but it it's always hard for me when I go through like my first draft. I don't know if you guys do it this way like like you go through one time and just kind of like first thought, go through it first draft type of thing. It's hard not to always go chalk. I don't, what do you guys think?
0: It is. It definitely is. I I the way I look at, it, I don't see, I, I'm pretty much for final four either one or two pretty much. Just looking at it right now, I haven't penciled in anything yet. But the one team that kind of intrigues me because you don't really see them play a lot, and they played well in the Pac-12 tournament was Oregon. You know, I I think that's a dangerous team, especially at a number twelve.
4: Yeah, and a lot of people, I mean, the Pac-12 maybe like overall isn't very good, um, and you know, people especially on the west or the East Coast don't see many of their games because they're so late. But but yeah, a lot of people are talking about Oregon being maybe that. I don't know if you want to call them a sleeper team this year. Reggie brought them up too, so maybe that's the that there are 12 playing Wisconsin who's a 5 in the first round. There's Every year you always hear it, there's always a 12 over a 5. Maybe that's a 12 over a 5.
0: I'm leaning that way right at the moment. Here's another question for you. This is more directed at Jared. We're all in brackets. You know, we got our own three-point podcast uh, Rivals Taphouse bracket. We want everybody to play in that contest. It's free. You can win some free food as well. Um, when you play multiple brackets, Jared, How do you look at it as far as when you make your selections? Do you have to, you know, when you're talking about it to friends or whatever, do you say, yeah, I have Duke winning it all, or you might have, you know, Kentucky winning it all? Do you have to really be specific on what bracket you're talking about? Or do you play the same bracket for, let's let's say you play three brackets, you got to have the same exact layout? Let me just
3: paint the picture for you, okay? This week is what I look for. Okay. Okay, I don't know if you guys saw what I posted on Twitter. Uh, but I've decided, just like the Fab Five did back when they made their runs, they they refrained from sex. I have decided I'm going to remain celibate for the rest of March, just so that I can <laughs> I can't have distractions. not very to do that. I can't have distractions. And, and as for those who are asking about the last 20 years, that's beside the point. I'm remaining celibate for the rest of March because I need to have my wits about me. I need to be focused, okay? As John Rothstein says, we sleep in May. As for Warren Buffett, who has the billion-dollar bracket pool, I'm coming for you. I am the one who knocks, okay? Have fun living on the streets. But like you said, people who fill out multiple brackets are the worst type of people. Matt, I got a feeling you're a multiple bracket type of guy. I fill out one bracket. I spend my life's work. It's, it's this week I've been watching all of the analysts break it down. I've been studying. I've been researching. I'm nowhere near finished with my bracket. And I know you're going to ask me who my final four is. I'm not, first off, I'm not going to share that with you because you'll just steal it. <laughs> and second off, I'm not even sure yet. It'll be all the way up until noon on Thursday. i got to squeeze out every ounce of energy that I have researching at all the time that comes into this. I need to focus, okay? This is where it comes, and this is where I make my picks. But for people who pick, to answer your questions, for people who make multiple brackets, you're the worst type of guy.
0: Well, so you're saying you'll play multiple brackets, but every bracket will look the same? Exactly the same. Okay. 100% yeah. correct. I definitely don't do that. I mean, I'm after the money. I like to play my odds.
4: Yeah, so like if you played roulette, I don't know if you guys play roulette ever or like ever did, you spread the table. Instead of playing like one number, you kind of spread the table with your chips. Right.
0: I respect, Jared. I respect that's what you do, but that's definitely not how I do it, and I'd say the majority of America doesn't do it that way.
4: I do usually. I fill out a couple. I usually do one that I don't want to say I like take more seriously. Maybe I. Maybe that's Yeah, like you do.
0: The three-point podcast rivals bracket
4: right exactly <laughs> and then i usually do one like with some some more upsets the one like the upsets that i'm kind of on the fence about maybe i do that but
3: i i don't know i can admit that i don't just do one for i everything. don't
0: either why
3: i hate that is that matt like in your other bracket where you have all these upsets you're going to be like no yeah, i picked that upset oh i picked that upset
4: when no, i, 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 like I will back i will bracket. admit i'm definitely not that guy that, that guy that has four or five brackets and then Whatever, say yeah. Say Oregon beats Wisconsin, and in one of your brackets you had that, and you're like, I had that, I had that. I'm definitely not that because that does bug me. Ted,
0: are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> and, and, and even if I ever was, I, I won't from now on. How's that? Sounds good. <laughs> All right. But,
4: I mean, that's I tell you it's what, fine. I like, it's not one of those things. Like, I, it, I don't, like, hate it. I just sometimes, like, when I hear people say that, I'm like, well, which bracket did you have that in? <laughs> so how many do you – I know – Ted, I feel like last year you said you normally don't join a bunch. How many do you normally join? I've, I've limited. I used to, like in college, I would join like 10. Yeah. But I, I've definitely limited. I, I do like two or three now. I'm playing
0: three. I'm playing uh, this one. I'm playing Jared's. And then I'm playing one I've played for the last 25 years with a group of friends from Indiana. Nice. <laughs> Who's that crew? <laughs> oh, it's what, a, what are your roots to Indiana? Uh, it's a former rep of mine in sales. And uh, they they've been running this contest back in the days when they kept score on paper.
3: <laughs> wow, that's not that old. I used to do that like five years ago.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that I'll I'll play three. So who right. are you
3: guys leaning toward? I'm in two, just yeah. obviously the rivals and three point podcast bracket and my own. Right. I'm Mr. March, is what people like to call me.
0: Mr. March. All right. Well, I I I'll just go. It's pretty boring. I'm gonna have uh, Duke probably beating Michigan State. I will have. Uh, God, I want to have Michigan, but I just can't do it. Gonzaga, there. Do I have enough? I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do a little Calipari love.
3: I know, I know. I you're gonna pick Cal, you're gonna pick Kentucky to win it all, aren't you?
0: No, I don't think I'll pick them to win it all. But I'm just gonna give my my final four right at the moment. We're not gonna pick our winners, are we?
4: No, I mean, Jared already said he's not going to reveal it. So maybe we – I think I've got my final four, so if we want to finish that. But then maybe later we can – we'll tweet out or we'll send out our – Since this
0: is for on air, I'll just go with uh, Tennessee on the other side. Okay. So Duke, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and uh, Kentucky.
4: I'm going all two seats. I think Michigan State will be able to beat Duke. I think Michigan – I think Michigan will be able to get it together and – I don't know if I'm being biased cause, uh, here at the SEC Network, but Tennessee and Kentucky are both really good, and I think they're going to – Like, I already think uh, Virginia's fraudulent, I think. I mean, they might prove me wrong, but yep. I, I think Tennessee's really good and Kentucky's really good. So,
0: Have they ever had all number twos? All
4: uh, number two? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious.
0: Uh, good question. It,
4: and recently uh, it was uh, – again, something we could look up quick, but a couple years ago wasn't it all one
3: seeds? Yeah. Do you guys think that um, by me remaining – Celibate? Do you think that that gives me an advantage over you guys in a bracket pool? No.
0: Yeah, what makes you think I'm not celibate nowadays? <laughs> That's no, true. I don't think PMI right. right there. If anything, yes. to get frustrated and mad. By my secret weapon might not be much of a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, you know we've been carrying on for a while, but I guess if it's our if it's our March Madness show, why not, huh? Yeah, exactly. All right, well, you know we're talking guys about uh, March Madness, and you know in Michigan they moved up the boys tournament a week early because of a conflict at Breslin, and we had uh, four new state champions crowned last week, including the Paloma-Westphalia Pirates, a little controversy at the end of the game, and we're going to be chatting with their head coach, Luke Pohl, here in just a couple of minutes. Before I get to that, though, I just want to remind you that the CoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. The Corona Cavalier girls' basketball team recently picked up their third straight district championship, and you can catch the re- the radio replay off of Z92.5 right here at Three Point Podcast. You can read about it in the Corona Connection, and the Corona Connection also likes to follow mid-Michigan, and uh, they congratulate Powam Westphalia as well on their state championship. Well, Advanced Elevator Company features top-of-the-line field technicians for installation, service, and repair of elevators, all area business leaders and longtime supporters of area high schools. The team at Advanced Elevator says congratulations to the Lady Corona Cavaliers on a fantastic basketball season and a third straight district championship, and the PW Pirate Boys and their state championship. Next up on 3 Point Podcast, a one-on-one with Luke Pole, head varsity basketball coach of Puamo Westphalia's Pirates, Division Three state champions. And first of all, Coach, congrats on the Pirates' first-ever Boys Hoop State Championship, one of the best-ever MHSA final games I think I've ever seen.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Well, I mean, now that you've had a chance to kind of reflect on things and, you know, you've put a lot of time and effort in your long coaching career, Uh, just initial thoughts on how it all feels right now that you've had a couple of days for it to sink in.
2: It's just an unbelievable feeling. Uh, So many emotions go through. Uh, Just being so thankful for the kids that I had this year. You know, uh, great bunch to be around. I really enjoyed being with them last summer. I told them that after uh, our last game there at the Breslin. And I mean, I'm still just feeling really good about it. I don't know if I'll ever get over
0: it. Well, I want to get this out of the way right away. The elephant in the gym, if you will. Walk me through the end-of-the-game scenario from your point of view, watching from the sidelines.
2: You mean like the last minute or two minutes? Or? Well, let,
0: let's just break it down to the final you know, 11, 12 seconds of the game when all all hell broke loose.
2: Hey, you know, they get called for a walking call. Uh, you know, from my point of view, where I was, it, it looked awkward. Um, which, if, if, And I've, I've seen so many games over the years, obviously, being a coach, uh, that I, I would have called it a walk. Uh, it certainly looked like it to me. And then we didn't have any more timeouts left. So, you know, we had to get the basketball inbounded, and uh, I got my my point guards running up the sideline, and they had some fouls to give. So this kid wraps his arm around Colin from behind, and uh, as as he's doing it, Colin shoots the ball. So I thought, well, we're either going to get you know a three. Point shot or, I mean, it's an intentional foul. It was it was really obvious. And uh, they called intentional foul, so we're down a point. And uh, he goes up to the free throw line, and there's only seven-tenths of a second left. And they continue to call timeouts to try to ice him. And we're going over uh, what happens if if he wouldn't make them, you know, or we were to tie it no matter what. We're going to get the basketball out of bounds with seven-tenths of a second left. And what we were going to run and how we were going to do it from right there. So we were planning a step ahead, but Colin goes to the free throw line. He makes the first one, and then they call another timeout. And at that point, it's a tie game. So I tell the guys then, I say, okay, look, if we go up one because we have no timeouts left, here's what I want you to do with the basketball just to make sure that something crazy didn't happen. And uh, lo and behold, he hits the next one, and uh, we get the basketball out of bounds, and, We throw it up in the air to our big kid, Andre Smith, and uh, the game's over.
0: Yeah, and I just wanted to jump in here, too. I'm sure you've caught wind of, you know, all the hoopla on social media. Mick McCabe wrote a kind of a scathing article about the referees. But my take on the last 11 seconds, I'll just share it here for our listeners and yourself as well. You know, that last uh, non-traveling call, or the traveling call, Eh, that was iffy it did look awkward and i could see where you know they would uh, would have let that go but you still had the ball coming back so okay let's just say right. let's just say it's a bad call you guys still had to score to win the game and i think the one thing that was not a bad call in my mind i've watched it about 50 times was the foul on colin i mean that was pure and simple an intentional foul and like you said you were calling for three shots because he fired it up so i really think that you know that They possibly got the first call wrong, maybe. I guess that's up for debate, but no way on the intentional foul. And then, again, you talk about uh, Colin Treeweiler at the line all by himself with the state championship on the line. I mean, talk about a Hoosiers moment, you know, three timeouts to freeze him out, and he just stroked him right through. That was sensational.
2: Yeah, he certainly did. And, you know, I just got to add this with social media. Uh, Social media was was pretty – pretty nasty.
0: Oh, it was brutal. It really was. I-,
2: oh, my, I told my kids yesterday afternoon to get off social media, just, just shut it off. Uh, I'm never on it myself. Worst thing that's ever happened in our country. Yeah. All it does is cause division and hatred throughout. And uh, again, it's all about what people perceive they saw and what actually happened. And, you know, these officials, they get paid about 50, 60, 70 bucks a game. McCabe comes out and says they're not trained and all this other stuff. These guys work really hard on their craft for that kind of money. And I'm just thankful every time we play that we have officials. <laughs>
0: that's, um, a, that's a great point.
2: I, I, just, I just think it's so unfair because I know the Big Ten officials get about 1800 to $2,000 a game. Jeez. You know, you want to get on them, that's one thing. But these high school officials, They do the best job they can, and if you look at that game in its entirety, and that's how you have to look at a game anyway, I thought they did a tremendous job, and I thought they did a great job throughout the entire tournament.
0: Well, well put, Coach. A couple more quick questions before we let you go. I appreciate you taking time out. You know, I've watched you, Coach, for many, many years. Uh, I would say, and maybe you can agree or disagree, you're kind of a hard-nosed coach, but the team buys into it. You demand a lot of them, but uh, when you're at crunch time, like in a state championship, that all pays off. Uh, just talk a little bit about uh, your experience and you know, coaching the kids at PW and and how they buy into your system.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. I push them. You know, I, I believe that what you demand out of them, you can get. Tough game, and you know, all that other team wants a win also. And our guys are are, are uh, they're able to uh, uh, continue to push through. Uh, you know, the parents are still pretty solid on that. I mean, I just want what's best for them. It has nothing else to do with anything, you know, and, uh, it's never been a personal issue. I love my kids. I love my players. And when we get, you know, uh, towards the end of a ball game and, you know, maybe you saw it, uh, uh, Saturday night at that point there, when it's tight like that, you know, you've got to get your kids home. So, you know, you've got to take a little different demeanor and, uh, um, just kind of coddle them and get them get them where you want them to be, and we just were going to coach to the end of the game. Uh, you know, if it had ended up that we lost, you would get in line, congratulate everybody. It's the way it goes sometimes, but uh, we were fortunate to win.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, a super win for the the pirate program, uh, just outstanding, an undefeated season. I mean, it's one of those things that will be in pirate lore forever. I got one final question for you, Luke. Your future. You coming back for some more, or are you leaving on a blue and gold horse and heading into the sunset?
2: (laughs) You know, I I haven't really thought about it. I I know that people probably talk about it because I'm going to be 61 years old, and I've done it a long time. Um, But uh, I really don't know. Every year, uh, you hard look at it um, just to see if I've still got that spark in me uh, and I should probably know sometime this summer.
0: All right. Well, listen, a, a fantastic season. And by the way, if uh, some of the Pirate fans haven't had a chance to catch a couple replays, we've got uh, uh, your Fowler game and we have your uh, regional game on uh, Three Point Podcast. It's there for anybody to listen to anytime. Okay. I'll make sure I Uh, Get that to him. All right, Luke, thanks for the time, as always. And, again, congratulations on that state championship. Well, guys, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of that PW game, but, uh, you know, I took some offense to Mick McCabe. I talked about it to Coach Pohl there in the interview. And, you know, McCabe just completely ripped the referees, first of all, for missing a travel call with 11 seconds to go in the game. And, you know, looking at the replay, watching the game, Probably right. You know, the referees probably missed that one. But unfortunately, or fortunately, that's part of the game of high school basketball. Referees do miss calls. And unfortunately, it was at real crunch time. But then McCabe also ripped on the referees for calling an intentional foul on uh, Iron Mountain to allow P.W. to hit the two game-winning free throws. Now, first of all, I've watched that replay at least 50 times. And the referees got it totally right. Anybody that watches it, you'd have to agree with me or you're blind. And on top of that, keep in mind, Iron Mountain still was ahead. They were ahead by one point. The kid for PW, Treeweiler, had a step to the line and with the intentional foul, had to stand at that line for the state championship on the line with nobody there. And you guys, I don't know if you ever shot technical foul shots, but it's a little nerve-wracking, more nerve-wracking than if guys are standing there at the lane. And this kid... Wins the state championship, drilled two free throws, and, you know, they finished an undefeated season. It's a lifetime dream. It's a Hoosiers-like moment. I mean, and, and, you know, unfortunately it was tainted a bit because of the controversy. Did you guys get a chance to see the video or see any of the social media stuff?
3: Yeah, it was a bad call. I mean, the kids' travel was a bit awkward looking, but it it wasn't a travel. They missed the call. And then as for you saying that, I, I agree with you, it was an intentional foul. But how about a makeup call there? I mean good. you already screwed them over with the travel call. How about make it up? You don't have to call you don't have to we get it. All right. Just like Michael Cabe said, you are here. You can tell your family that you ref in the state finals. But I, I agree with them. How about how dumb was that rule that refs can only ref in the state finals once every three years? That makes no
0: sense. Yeah, whatsoever. I would I would tend to agree a little bit with that. You want to have your best refs out there. The problem is that the MHSA has is getting good quality referees and it's you know, the pickings are pretty slim. Nobody wants that job.
3: So then why are they keeping it to where you can only do it once every 3 years?
0: They're trying to That's reward
3: saying, get, It's MHSA's fault. It's MHSA. They deserve all the crap they're getting on.
0: They need to relook at that. I do I do agree with you on that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I feel like like you you know you're saying. It's kind of a tough job to find consistent work because I mean, it's it's not a full-time job. So if you find some really good refs who are willing to do the state championships every year, I mean, I feel like you should just
3: have them do it.
0: No, I do want. I have a question. I've
3: never heard that rule before. And and you're, okay, hold on. It's crazy. It, and you're getting angry about them not having enough refs. How about how about the MHSa updates their commercial they've been using for the same the last twenty years <laughs> with the ref right. book <laughs> with the re, with the whistle blowing in the background. <laughs> you, I mean, you you look at that. It, no wonder no one wants to be a ref. It's a joke.
4: It's a it's a laughing stock. Yeah, when you see commercials that are still in SD like all right we're, it's about time to update those things
0: <laughs> i guess that's one way of looking at it but i i want to ask jared one more question were you being facetious or do you really think they should have had a makeup call on that on that intentional foul they should add a makeup call so you really think that makeup calls should be allowed that should be uh, that if should be in no a referee that should be in a referee's mind Ooh, i missed that call i gotta make this up
3: if it's as egregious as that traveling call was and it's when the game on the line, it's already kind of a stupid foul call. I mean, okay, let me ask you this, Ted. Do you like it when refs are just calling fouls at the end of a game, deciding the game, or would you rather kind of let the kids play it out?
0: I'll give you my personal opinion 100%. If it's a foul, it's a foul. It doesn't matter what part of the game it's in.
4: Yeah, I've always thought that was, was, I don't know if stupid is the right word, but that that it was stupid when you hear people say, like, that's a playoff foul or, like, you can't. You, the, the ref has to swallow their whistle at the end of a close game. I mean, like you said, if it's a foul, it's a foul. If it's a foul in the playoffs, it should be a foul in the
3: regular season.
0: Yeah, it's a cop-out if they say, okay. oh, well, we're going to let them bang bodies here at the end and you wanna, see who's tougher.
3: You want to say, okay, let's, 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 we're going to play dumb, I guess. So when teams are giving fouls in every aspect of basketball, when, when they have fouls given, they're clearly intentionally following, just basically punching at the person's arms, we're going to say, oh, that's not intentional.
0: What's your question?
3: More of a statement than a question. Oh, okay. Do you think, well, do you know what I'm? Do you get what I'm saying, or does that?
0: Do you no, I get what you're saying. You you have if if you have fouls to give, you have to make an effort at the basketball. It's that simple.
4: Yeah, and I think that's something that they should bring back in the NBA because it's probably I still love the NBA, but it's one of the most annoying things to me about the game when guys just whether a guy's about to go on a fast break or a guy has a wide open layup and they just like wrap up. Like, like you said, you got to make a play on the ball. If you go up and try a block and you hack a guy's arm, okay. But, you know, you see it all the time in the NBA. Guys just wrap up, grab their shorts, or, you know, do something. And since the NBA doesn't have that intentional foul rule, I mean, you, you can do that.
0: The other thing I just wanted to throw out there, you know, and again, you know, they're throwing all this grief at the referees and at PW, kind of taking away a little of their luster. I mean, Iron Mountain had three timeouts, right? They had three timeouts they could have just called a timeout after that travel call, set up their defense. I think PW had, like, five seconds. Set up their defense and win the game. Why is it that you have a foul to give that you have to give it? Why not just play defense?
4: Oh, I agree. And, I mean, it it came into play, too, at the end of the Michigan-Michigan State game. Yeah. And we didn't get into the, I guess, no call when Winston tried to foul Poole and the foul wasn't called. But Michigan State had two fouls to give and – they were trying to, like, give those fouls. And, yeah, I, I do wonder sometimes, like, why not just play defense? Like, you you don't have to give those fouls. It's not a requirement.
0: Hell, it worked know. out. I've it,
4: always thought that, too.
0: It worked out for Michigan State because they didn't uh, call it, it a worked, foul. Oh,
3: yep. Okay, well, what, what would you guys say? If, let's say Palomo comes down and just drains a three. Game over. They didn't give a foul.
0: Well, apparently they didn't you'd play be, good enough be, defense. You, yeah,
3: you Monday, morning defense. You, Monday morning quarterback, you guys would be sitting here saying that they should have fouls, they should have fouled.
4: It's kind of the same like at the end of games when, you know, say it's a one-point game or whatever the scenario is and whether a coach decides to call a timeout or they just kind of let the guys play. You know, yeah, obviously when you see how the game plays out, you can, like, criticize. I don't know, to me, sometimes I always wonder why, you know, like Roy Williams has a a reputation for not using those timeouts just letting his guys go. I, I like that better because sometimes I feel like you're in the flow of the game. Just go make a play when you stop. Not only can you set up an offense, but you let the defense get set up too. So, so yeah, I always think about that too.
0: All right, guys, that's enough stuff here for this podcast. We we got some great basketball in store starting Thursday. I don't know about you guys, Jared. You're in college. Matt, are you working? You got you got time off. What are you doing Thursday and Friday?
4: I'm actually I ran, I have Thursday off, but then yeah, the other days I do have to work at some point. So. I mean I'll be able to watch all the games
0: though. Every year, man. I don't deer hunt, but this is my deer hunting season. I take half a day vacation Thursday and Friday. I just I, love it. I watch twelve hours of basketball both days until I'm completely burnt out. I have a hard time regrouping for the weekend, but I love it. It's it's just it's a right. It's a it's a holiday, it's just awesome. I love March Madness.
4: I mean, it's nonstop games on multiple channels. It basically doesn't stop all day. Hey, there's nothing better, right?
0: It's the best. I think it's the best sporting event of all, myself, March Madness. All right, well, that's it, guys. Let's let's call it a podcast. I think we had a lot of fun with this. If you guys out there in the listening audience like this show, share 3 Point Podcast with all your friends and family, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or other popular podcast hosting sites. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and now Facebook at 3 Point Pod. Thanks again to our three-point podcast partners, Advanced Elevator Company, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, and the Corona Public Schools. Before I do the official sign-off here, Matt, again, tell our listeners how to get in on our on our bracket contest.
4: Uh, yeah, you go to espn.com/brackets. Uh, go to the Tournament Challenge section. You know, whatever you want to do to get there, and search Rivals and Three PP bracket time uh we tweet out the the link to the the pool we put it on facebook we put it on everything else so uh yeah just go there
0: Enjoy. and you can win some uh some free food and it costs nothing to play our contest you can also get some of that special bragging rights i guess the three of us might have to uh have a little side bet maybe huh I think so. All right. also want to give special thanks to Reggie Walker for joining us tonight and Luke Pohl, the head coach of PW. This has been a 3-Point Podcast production in conjunction with Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Thanks again for listening to 3-Point Podcasts.